Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What did he expect? In the Christmas classic, A Christmas Story, young Ralphie Parker is looking forward to and longing for what he wants more than anything else is a Red Ryder BB gun. He wants a Red Ryder BB gun, and yet as soon as that is made known, everybody to a person is telling him the same thing, that it's going to do what? Oh, you guys are familiar with this, okay. That's right, his mom, his dad, his teacher, but uh, little Ralphie thinks, you know what, I'm going to take this to a higher court. So he has the opportunity to go to the department store and to visit with the big man himself, or at least one of his helpers, Santa Claus. So he waits in line, and finally he makes it up, and he gets onto Santa Claus's lap, and he freezes, totally forgets what it was that he wanted. And Santa says, how about a football? He says, ah! He starts getting sent down the chute away from Santa Claus. When he stops, suddenly he comes back to him. He remembers what it was. Oh, thank goodness. He stops in the chute. He looks up to Santa Claus, who's looking back at him rather surprised at this point. And he says, wait, a Red Rider BB gun. And Santa Claus looks at him and says, kid, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> what do you expect? Expectations are a dangerous thing. Just ask Ed Ogeron. You guys know who Ed Ogeron is? He was the football coach, the former football coach of Louisiana State University, LSU. He won a national championship two years ago. But the expectations at LSU are that you win every single year. And so, a few weeks ago, he was fired. Expectations are a dangerous thing. That's why coaches and politicians and parents are constantly trying to manage expectations. You don't want to raise expectations. You'd like to exceed expectations lest you have, lest you have unmet expectations because expectations are a dangerous thing. They are powerful, but they are also perilous. And our gospel today underscores exactly this point as we see John the Baptist wrestling with his expectations about who this Messiah was going to be. Now, you have to forgive John if his faith is stumbling a little bit in this moment when we meet him in today's gospel. Now, John had certain expectations about who the Messiah was going to be. We heard some of them in our gospel reading last week. Who does John expect the Messiah to be? He's going to be the mighty one whose sandals John can't even untie. He is the one who is going to come and kick bottom and take names. He is going to be Arnold Schwartz Messiah, right? Come, follow me. Okay, maybe that's overstating the case just a little bit, but not that much. John has a vision, an expectation that when the Messiah come, he comes, he is going to come in power. He is going to drive out the enemies of the Lord, and he is going to bring the kingdom of God in full, in power, right now. And yet, where is John when we meet him in today's gospel? He's languishing in prison. He's behind bars, and he has hanging over his head an expectation that he'll be losing his head, as he in fact does. And so, suffice it to say, his expectations are not being met. So John decides that he needs to, to send a couple of his disciples, some emissaries, back to Jesus himself, to his cousin, to say, hey, did I miss something here? You know, 
Have I been barking up the wrong tree with all of this? You being the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, that you being the, the Messiah, have I gotten you wrong? John wants to know, because if he's going to be languishing in prison, at least he could know that he has been doing it for the right or the wrong person. So he sends his disciples, and they ask that question, the question that he told them to ask. They say it to Jesus verbatim. Are you the one who is to come, the coming one, the Messiah? Or shall we expect another? And Jesus' response is instructive. I want to key in on the last word of his response to those guys that come from John. In verse 23, Jesus warns them of the danger about being offended, being offended by him. Now, that translation doesn't quite get it right. Because when we hear offended, what do you think about? You think about how you feel when somebody tells you they don't like your casserole. When you hear about being offended, you think about things that you see on the news, on cable news or reading the paper. When we think about offended, in other words, we have a certain idea of what that means. But that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. The Greek word behind this is the word skandalizo. Let me hear you say skandalizo. You can hear in that word, our word scandal, but what it literally meant was a stumbling block, something that you trip over. And it had the connotations of somebody who stumbles in their faith, perhaps even to the point of, of losing it entirely. Jesus is saying, in effect, to John, to John's followers, and I would say to all of us, beware being scandalized by me. Be careful about your expectations and preconceptions about who I'm going to be, Jesus is saying. Because it shows us the peril of those expectations, that it can lead even to losing your faith, to falling away from the Lord. Faith that is built on a certain vision of who Jesus is, if that vision is not aligned with his character, with his mission, that's going to be very fragile indeed. And I gotta say, in my years of ministry, I've seen this happen too many times. Not a lot, but too many times. I'll share with you one story, one that I often tell from my time as a vicar in my vicarage. Remember, there was this guy, Bill. And Bill and his wife, Susan, they were regular churchgoers. They're the kind of people that you would see them each and every Sunday. I'd see them there sitting in the same pew, of course, because they're Lutheran. Uh, and so it was easy to notice at some point throughout that year when Susan would be there, but I wasn't seeing Bill anymore. Susan was still there week by week, but... But Bill was absent, and I grabbed Susan after worship one week, and I said, Susan, I, I've noticed that we've been missing Bill. Is everything okay? And she says, Pastor, I've got to tell you, he's had kind of a crisis of faith. I said, oh, oh no, what is it? What, what is it that's causing this crisis of faith? And she gets kind of sheepish, and she says, you know, um, well, Bill's cat died, and he just can't understand how God would let his favorite cat die. And so now he's not coming to church anymore. Now, in that moment, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought that was kind of ridiculous, okay? Like, it's a cat. It's not a dog, all right? It's a cat. <laughs> Get over it. It's always good for a little ribbing to the cat people. 
But I've come to see that there is a real danger here. When we have a certain kind of expectation, and Philip Yancey, the great Christian writer Philip Yancey, he has a book called Disappointment with God. I commend this to you. And in that book, Disappointment with God, he writes this. He says that this disappointment with God comes when there is a gap between our expectations of God and the reality of what we experience. And Yancey writes, first comes disappointment, then a seed of doubt, and then a response of anger or betrayal. We begin to question whether God is trustworthy, whether we can really stake our lives on him. So you might laugh at Bill's experience with his cat, but at some level, all of us can go through these moments of disappointment with God because we have a certain expectation of who he is and, and what he is going to do for us. And if those expectations go unmet, then we enter into this gap of disappointment. And it can start out as disappointment, but it can lead to seeds of doubt and ultimately to a place of, of feeling resentful or bitter toward the Lord. And so I think the key question for us to ask of Jesus is the question that, that Jesus asked about John the Baptist, asking the crowds, what did you come out to see? When it comes to our Lord Jesus, what have you come to see? What are your expectations of the Lord? Because I think for so many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we expect Jesus to be less the crucified king of the universe and more like a guy who wears a red suit and comes down the chimney and gives us good things. In other words, we can have an expectation of Jesus that he'll be more like St. Nicholas, God bless him, that he'll give us the things that we want and hopefully in a timely fashion, especially if we are nice and not naughty. Or other times we might have an expectation of our Lord, that he's going to be our bully in the sky, sort of like what John the Baptist was expecting. That he's the guy who's going to smite our enemies, drive out the, the bad people, the ones that we don't like, that he is going to be my tough guy, will be my defender in the world. Look, I think all of us can at times have these misaligned expectations of who we expect God to be and to be for us. It's a dangerous place to be. And I want to encourage each and every one of us to search our hearts and to ask this question, who do I expect Jesus to be? Is it the Jesus who comes in lowliness and humility, who comes suffering for our sake? Or is it something else? And if it is something else, you might find that those unmet expectations lead to disappointment, to disenchantment, even to disbelieving. I'm a big fan of baking cookies, but we need to be careful when we put Jesus into our own mold of what he needs to be like, because he's going to shatter it. He's going to shatter it. But he's going to shatter it, let's be clear on this, because he wants to give to John the Baptist and to you and me something much, much better. John, what was he not seeing and not hearing? He was not seeing and he was not hearing the, the power and even the, the vengeance 
that he was expecting from the Lord Jesus, the vindication that he was going to come and he was going to bring the kingdom of God in full right now, exactly how John expects. But in so seeing and hearing, expecting to see and to hear, what is John missing? He's missing the fact that Christ comes with a ministry of mercy, as our Lord says, evoking those Old Testament promises and prophecies, that Jesus is the one who comes enlightening the eyes of the blind, enlivening the dead, encouraging the broken and the broke. This is the ministry of mercy that Jesus comes, and if this is not what you have expected, then you need to go searching somewhere else. I think this is part of the reason why Jesus, in response to that question, of the disciples of John, he doesn't just say, you know, when they ask, are you the one who is to come? Why doesn't Jesus just say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy? I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, there's one particular element of those prophecies that the Lord is conspicuously leaving out, especially for John. Constantly in the Old Testament, you would hear kind of this, this set piece of these promises. It would involve the, the lame being able to walk, the, the blind being able to see, even the dead being raised. But there was always another piece to that. And that was the prisoners being set free. Jesus doesn't say anything about that here. And I think it's our Lord's way of gesturing ever so gently toward John and saying, yes, the kingdom is come. Yes, I am the one who is to come. But I'm not going to come like you expect. My ministry of mercy is in many ways going to be hidden because Jesus knows that ultimately it's all going to culminate in his crucifixion. The thing that is expected least of all that if you want to know who this Lord is and, and what he is like and the way that he is going to bring this mercy to bear on the world, it's going to be through him laying down his life for the sake of the world. Not coming in power, but in powerlessness. If we want to have expectations that are aligned with who our Lord is, they need to be grounded in the foot of the cross, first and foremost. See, that's who our Savior is for you and for me. But indeed, Jesus says... For those who are willing and able to see him as he is in the way that he has come, blessed are you. Blessed are you in the midst of your struggles and your trials. Blessed are you even in the midst of your disappointments and your doubt because you have a Lord who has come for you in order to raise you up. You need expectations that are not only grounded in the foot of the cross, but that are also raised by the empty tomb. Because you have a Lord who has indeed come in order to take away your sins, who is indeed the Lamb who has come to take away the sins of the world and who lifts you up to be seated beside your Lord in the heavenly places. Our expectations are grounded in the cross and raised by the empty tomb because there we have a Lord and King who comes in power, who is the Mighty One, but who also quiets us with His love and gives us what we need most the mercy of our Savior. I want to end by going back to Ralphie one more time. <laughs> because, you know, when you think about that movie, if, even if you haven't seen it, you know, oh, it's, it's a movie about a kid who wants a BB gun and then, spoiler alert, gets the BB gun. So, oh, that doesn't sound like a very interesting movie. But I would suggest to you that's really not the heart of the movie. That's really not the story that is being told. But instead, it's more about this relationship of a son 
And his mom, the mom who has reminded him repeatedly, you're going to shoot your eye out? If this is what you want, if this is what you expect, you might be careful with it. You might be disappointed. And you remember what happens? Ralphie gets the gun, but that's not where the movie ends. Then he takes the BB gun, goes outside, and promptly, practically shoots his eye out, right? With the BB gun. And so then, what does his mom do? As Ralphie comes in, he has not only shot, hit himself, and crushed his glasses. What does she do? Does she uh, immediately jump on him, hop on him with a, I told you so. I knew that this was was going to happen. No. Instead, she meets his folly with mercy. Ralphie has happened to him exactly what she expected was going to happen. But the most important moment in that story is the fact that his mom still meets him with mercy and care in spite of himself. And how much more is that the case with the Savior that you and I have? We come to him with all of our expectations, with all of our hopes and dreams. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in him, not in a way that we would expect, but something and as someone who is far better Who did you go out to see? If you went out to see, if you have come here to see the Lord who is crucified and risen, if you have come out to see with expectations that are grounded in the foot of the cross and raised by his empty tomb, then you can sing out without reserve, come thou long expected Jesus and never be disappointed. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.